You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. How many of you right now, raise your hand if you're battling some sort of sickness, illness, chronic health disease. Will you raise your hand if that's you? Keep them up. Now, let me add to those, how many of you love someone, know someone who's battling an injury or illness or chronic health problem? Would you raise your hand? Wow, look at that, almost every hand. Thank you. There, we are all battling some injury or illness or someone we love is. There is someone you know and you love, and man, you, you wish they had good news. You wish it would go okay for them. This is the world we live in. 70% of Americans are on some sort of prescription medication for an injury or illness or chronic health problem. So ever since sin entered the world, people are suffering and they're sick and they're struggling. And it's not just physical suffering. There's also relational suffering emotional suffering, spiritual suffering, addiction-related suffering. So are, is that it? Are, are we just stuck? Is, is there really no comfort to be found? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. And let me begin this way. When we see Jesus' ministry in the gospel, we see two types of healing. He would forgive sins spiritually, and he would heal bodies physically and emotionally. So Jesus comes to forgive sin and heal our soul, but he also comes to heal our body and free us from the bondage of all kinds of things that we struggle with. Well, we know that the Lord Jesus did come and he did practice healing. And if you are familiar at all with the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are sketches of Jesus's life on earth. They don't record every single thing he taught, every single person he encountered, Every person he healed, they are summaries. How do we know that? John's gospel ends with this one verse. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for what would be written. All the books that would be written. (laughs) So, much more that we don't even know about him. But, having said that, there are 27 individuals that he healed in the Gospels. 27 people that are named or described that Jesus healed. And on top of that, there were at least 10 groups of people that he healed. The number of which we don't really know, but at least 10 people groups that he also healed. Now, we know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Three days later, he was resurrected. And over the course of the next 40 days, he, according to Acts 1, was around evidencing his resurrection. He appeared to groups. And after he ascended into heaven, the question is, well, do we still have access to Jesus? When he was here, you could go to him and ask questions. When he was here, you could go to him and ask for a healing. But now that he's no longer with us physically, 
What does that mean? Are we abandoned? Are we orphaned? Are we alone? Can we still have access to Jesus? Will he forgive? Will he heal us? What kind of relationship do we have with Jesus now? Well, 10 days later, after the 40 days that he was here, 10 days later, he sends the Holy Spirit to connect his people to himself so that we can still come to Jesus, just as if he were here among us. So we can still inquire of Jesus for healing as if he were present with us as he was on earth. We then read that Jesus' followers, what they started doing under the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things they started doing were physical healings. So we're going to go into Acts chapter 3. This is our sixth sermon in the series on the book of Acts. And what we're going to see is that in the book of Acts, there are 14 occurrences of healing, divine physical healings. So here's the first healing that is recorded by Jesus' people in the book of Acts. This is how Acts 3 begins. One day, Peter and John, two of the disciples, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth, this is... This guy's life condition was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going in to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So he's asking them for charity. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, (laughs) expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Can you imagine you're, you're driving down the road and, and there on the shoulder of the road is, is a guy who's, who's not able to stand and he's holding a sign that just says crippled from birth. And, and you get out of your car, you pull over and, and the first thing he says to you is, how much are you going to give me? And you say, I've got nothing, but how about you just get up and walk home? In the name of Jesus, Get up and go. And he does. That's what's happening. Taking him by the right hand, Peter helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. Now, this guy had not even been able to stand prior to this. And now he's jumping to his feet. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Again, This is the first of 14 physical healings in the book of Acts. There are 28 chapters in Acts. 12 of those 28 
have a physical healing supernaturally by Jesus' power through the, through the uh, presence and power of the Holy Spirit enacted. So today we want to look at this particular healing, but then look at healing in general, just healing overall. So let's start with this man. What do we know about him? Well, first of all, we're told that he has been lame from birth. So he was born with a situation where he was unable to live a quote, unquote, normal life. This is a man who never stood on his own two feet. A man who had never taken a step, never gone for a walk. When growing up, he would see other kids running and playing outside. He could only watch. What this means as well, he's probably never going to marry because he can't provide for a family. He has no way to earn an income. He is subjected to a life of poverty. They didn't have the, the disability or um, safety net that may exist for some in our day. So he would throw himself at the generosity of God's people. That's all he had going for him. He would sit outside the temple only because his friends would carry him there day after day after day. I mean, how difficult for this man. He can't take himself anywhere. He can't provide for himself, can't tend to himself, can't defend himself. He's completely at the mercy of others. So his friends take him as they have for years, perhaps. We don't know how old of a man this is. How long have they been doing this? But think years. Try to place yourself in his situation. You're living in poverty. You're hoping that friends or, or family love you enough to pick you up and carry you and leave you in front of the temple where all who go in to worship will see you. And you're just hoping, trusting, praying that God's people have mercy on you and give you some money so that you can exist and not starve to death. This man is in a dire situation. And along come Peter and John. And he says to them, how much money are you going to give me? And they say, silver and gold we don't have, which <laughs> they're not prosperity teachers, by the way. <laughs> and they look at the man and they say, look at us. So he looks at them. Peter says, look, I I've got no money for you. But how about a healing? That we can do by the grace of God. So stand up, walk, and be well. <laughs> and? And? He does. He gets healed. God heals him. This, by the way, is the fulfillment of part of a verse of Isaiah 35, which reads this way. Then with a lame leap like a deer. This promise was given that when the Messiah comes, when Jesus comes to inaugurate his kingdom, a lame man would walk like a deer. And here it is, 700 years after Isaiah wrote that. But let's not miss the most important part of the story. It's all in the name of Jesus. Did you get that? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Peter said. The name of Jesus is not some pagan mantra that you just say. 
It's inviting the living Jesus into that moment. That's what Peter and John are doing. You need to know that there is strength in the name of the Jesus of Nazareth. That there is that name comes with it power. In that name, there is authority. In that name, there is deity. Acts 4.12 will tell us that there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And Philippians 2 tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is something unique and special about the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And ultimately, who is it that healed this man? Was it Peter and John? No. It was the Lord Jesus who healed him from heaven. Well, this is very encouraging. Because, again, Jesus healed when he was on earth. And now that he has ascended into heaven, can he still heal? Yes. Because he is alive and now he is ruling and reigning as the saving, sovereign Lord. And we can come to him and he will hear us and answer us. And he will actually heal from his heavenly throne. And the result, God gets worshipped. So this man goes into the temple. It may be the very first time he has ever entered into the temple because there are restrictions about folks who were physically disabled. They weren't allowed into the temple. He's now able to go into the temple. And what do we see? As soon as he's healed, he doesn't turn his back on God and walk away. It's not like, hey, great, I've got this on my own now. He goes toward God. He goes into the temple that he might worship and celebrate the goodness of God. And the other people are astounded. And we're told that they are filled with wonder and amazement. You know what that is? That's the language of worship. So now they too worship and celebrate the goodness of God. You see, the ultimate goal is not the healing. That's the secondary goal. The primary goal was the glory of God. So God is glorified, and the people rejoice with singing and celebration. That is this particular story. Now, that being said, as we've investigated this healing, I'm going to try to answer for you a whole bunch of other questions you probably have about healing. In my history as your pastor for these 27 years, I don't know that I have on many occasions fully and thoroughly investigated with you this full scope of healing. Let's do that today. I know that as you hear this story, some of you will want to ask, well, does God still do that? Like, what about me? What about my friends? Um, and how come some people are healed and others aren't? All of these questions erupt. So let's start to take a look at them. But before, I want to do something even more basic than that. And that's this first question. Why is there sickness? Why is there sickness and, and suffering? I can remember losing my dad to cancer when I was 11. I remember praying that he'd get better. And it's hard losing a parent at any age, but especially at a young age, it just doesn't seem right. Or when a child dies, 
that doesn't seem normal. In fact, it seems radically abnormal to me. Well, the whole Bible tells us that sin and death are radically abnormal. That when God created this world, he looked at everything and said it was very good. Everything was right. There was no death. Romans 5, the Apostle Paul tells us about the fall and the result of sin when he writes this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that is Adam and his disobedience, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. So the major reason that there is sickness and suffering is because of sin. God is a living God and everything that God made was good and perfect. There was no death. But in rebellion against God, we chose to disobey God, to turn our back on God. And as a result, we chose death over life. And now, sin has infected and affected everyone and everything. Romans 8 tells us that even all of creation is groaning. It is groaning under the weight of the bondage to sin and yearning for deliverance back to its intended state. This also means that because we live in a fallen world, sometimes things just simply happen. We may not know why. It's not punishment. It's not hey, here's the reason why this person has cancer, the reason why this couple had a miscarriage. We can't go there. Sin and sickness and suffering and death have entered into the human experience, and as a result, there are things that God did not have in the original design. And sometimes we just won't know. Another question that many have asked, does healing replace traditional medicine? There are stories in the news from time to time where you hear of parents that choose not to get medical treatment for their child. Faith believing, but they choose not to go the route of getting medical treatment because they want to see what God will do and the child dies. Is that what we believe? No. We believe in natural medicine and supernatural prayer. We believe in both. The healing that's recorded in Acts 3 as well as the other physical healings in the book of Acts were written by a man named Luke. What is Luke's profession? He's a doctor. Anytime a doctor is telling us about healings, I think we can pretty much guess he's not anti-doctor. So the Bible does not speak in a negative way against those in the medical field. For those of you who work in hospitals and uh, doctor's offices and nursing homes, for those of you who are nurses and doctors and dentists and EMTs and pharmacists, praise be to God. Praise be to God for you to study the the body that God created and that you would, with discernment and wisdom, love and serve people and try to find healing any way in which you can. So we don't say that because the Bible is for prayer that it's against medicine. It's for both. Remember the 
parable that Jesus taught of the Good Samaritan. It's in Luke chapter 10. Let me show it to you again. He, that is the Samaritan, went to him, that is the beat up, left for dead man, and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. You know what those two things are? That's first century medicine. The wine is an antiseptic, the oil used for soothing the skin. So our encouragement, our exhortation would be, if you are suffering from illness or injury or someone you know is suffering, pray for them, but at the same time, encourage them to seek out the best medical care that they can. And let me say this, whether you get healed through natural means or supernatural means, it is still the power of God at work in both cases. Next question, why does God heal? Well, there's probably a long list, but I'll give you three reasons, and all three of these we can take from our story in Acts 3. Number one, why God heals, it's an act of love and mercy to the person who's suffering. Look at this guy from Acts 3. Get a picture of him in your mind. That God would love and heal him, that's an act of love and mercy. For the rest of his life, this man will be a trophy of God's grace. As he walks around, everyone else is going, hey, you know who that is? That's a guy that God really loved and had mercy on and healed him. I mean, look at him. Isn't it amazing? Look at what God did. How loved do you think this man was when he stood up for the very first time? And he knew he was loved because where did he go upon that, first, upon that healing? The first place he went was to the temple. He was walking toward the presence of God as they understood it. And he's going to go praise God. And it's a sign of love. It's a sign of affection. It's a sign of mercy. It's a sign of compassion for the afflicted person. God does love people. That's one of the reasons why he heals. Number two, God heals because it reveals the kingdom of God. Here's what I need you to know. God will heal everyone eventually in the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is yet to be fully unveiled, but it has breakthroughs. There are times where the kingdom of God intersects the kingdoms of this earth. The kingdom of God makes these Cameo appearances, cameo appearances, if you will, and shows up and shows us what's to come and shows us what Jesus ultimately has planned for us. And it causes us to long for that perfect kingdom. You know, so we get these previews. It's kind of like, it's not the same at all, but it's kind of like. You know, when a blockbuster movie is going to come out, what do they do first? They put out trailers, right? So you kind of get excited about it. You're, you're, you're watching this. And you're going, man, that looks amazing. I, I can't wait. A guy is walking around who was lame from birth. And God's people are like, whoa, okay, the kingdom of God must be amazing. And they start longing for the kingdom of God. And number three, God heals 
because it makes Christians want to worship. When it says that this man was healed, he praised God, he went into the temple, and others were filled with amazement, they too are praising God. It increases the worship of God's people. Oh, God does love people. God is good and powerful. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. These are some of the reasons why God heals. So there's a lot happening in this healing. I'm sure there are more questions like, does God, does everyone receive healing in this life? Does everyone receive healing in this life? How many of you have heard, seen a false teaching that goes like this? Everyone can be healed. You just need to have faith. And if you have enough faith, you can be healed. Which means if you're not healed, it's because you failed and you don't have enough faith. And as your pastor, I'll tell you that that is horrific theology. I want you to believe that you can be healed. I want you to ask for healing. But I don't know which of you might get healed. We don't know. But we pray and we're going to see. But it's a horrific thing to tell people one of two things. Either God used to heal. He doesn't anymore. So don't get your hopes up. Or God heals everyone. And if he doesn't heal you, it's your fault. You don't have enough faith or probably you have too much sin. What a demonic thing to tell someone. I'll give you an example from the Bible of how wrong thinking this is. Look at the Apostle Paul himself. This is part of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is speaking when he says, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, no one knows for sure what it is that was afflicting Paul. Obviously, it's of some physical ailment because he talks about it being a thorn in the flesh. He goes on. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. Did he pray about it? Yes. To take it away from me, he wanted to be healed. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The apostle Paul said, I have an injury. I have an illness. I have something that's affecting me physically. I've asked Jesus to heal me. And Jesus said, you're fine. Suck it up. That's the Greek translation. <laughs> Did the Apostle Paul have faith? <laughs> yes. Did he not believe in healing? Of course he believed in healing. Was God using Paul to heal others? <laughs> yes. Did he heal himself? No. He says, you know what? keeps me from being conceited and allows me to trust more in his grace. Sometimes God won't heal 
not for any particular reason, not because you've done something wrong. Maybe it's something that you think, gosh, this would be so good for my body, but maybe it's not so good for your soul. That was the case for the Apostle Paul when he says that. And sometimes we may just never know why we won't get healed in this life, which begs this question. When will all of God's people receive healing? Here's what we do believe. All of God's people will receive healing in the kingdom of God. See, just as Jesus suffered and died and was buried, so God's people, we too will suffer and die and be buried. And just as Jesus rose conquering sin and death, so Jesus' people will rise in victory over sin and death. We will all get a glorified, resurrected body. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 15. And then couple that with Revelation 21 and 22. In the kingdom of God, there will be no more curse, no more sickness, no more sin, no more Satan, no more death, no more crying, no more pain. The kingdom of God is a beautiful thing and God's people will be there forever in a resurrected form. In the meantime, friends, and here's the last question, how should we minister to those who are sick and hurting and suffering? Well, if Jesus were alive on the earth today and you were sick, would you get to him? Of course you would. You would book the flight and you would stand in line. Or if someone you loved were sick, wouldn't you take them with you so that you would take them to Jesus you would do anything to get them to him. Here's the good news. You can go see Jesus. And you can take your friends to see Jesus. Because he's alive and he's not confined to one place, he is sovereign and can work in every place. That's the big idea of Acts 3. So what do you and I do in the meantime? We minister to them. And here are three ways we can do that. Number one, you can pray. Pray for that person. And, and you can pray from a distance. There are at least three times in the Gospels that Jesus did not go directly to someone to heal them, but healed them from a distance. I think how that translates for us is that even when you can't be with that person, you can pray for them from a distance. This means as well in our age of technology where social media posts and blog sites and caring bridge sites and prayer chains and phone calls and texts, they really matter. Even if someone is far away and they're praying for you, that's a real gift, isn't it? Number two, you can lay hands on someone and pray for them. We see this repeatedly in Jesus' ministry and in the ministry of the early Christians. It's not about how spiritual the person praying. It's not about how spiritual the recipient is. It works because the Holy Spirit works. And even when there isn't a healing, that close contact and prayer shows affection and compassion because you know what's worse than suffering is suffering alone. And number three, you can minister in faith. Sometimes in the Bible, it says that the sick person had faith and they were healed. Sometimes it says that their friends who brought them to Jesus had faith and the sick person was healed. So whether you're the sick person 
or you're the family or friend to the person who's sick, God wants you to act in faith. And faith is trusting that Jesus is alive. Faith is trusting that the name of Jesus of Nazareth is strong. And faith is believing that God hears and answers prayer. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.